1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me today. What a huge weekend for the Florida Gators on the football field, securing a win over number seven Auburn. And really, honestly, it came in pretty dominant fashion, I would say, despite it being a very sloppy game. I mean, this was a game that Florida controlled really from start to finish, never trailed in the game, and uh, was able to score with about nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then it was pretty comfortable from there. So, Blake, I guess first off, you know, as we kind of always start breaking down these games, what was your reaction to, I guess, really the way the game went down and then maybe how it's been perceived since then?
0: You know, I, I think it was pretty impressive to Florida to come out on that first drive and really kind of, you know, set the tone with a score. Um, whenever you're at home, that that's exactly what you want to do. You know, you want to kind of take the air out of the team you want to get your crowd into it and I thought that was a perfect way to do it especially when you have a long touchdown like that to Freddie Swain the place just went absolutely nuts and and it kind of stayed you know pretty consistently loud for the rest of the game um you know I thought near the end Auburn kind of it seemed like they kind of ran out of ideas you know and it seems like Mm -hmm. um you know maybe they were tired you know maybe they were you know kind of at a loss just because things weren't really working but I felt like as the game went on, Florida's defense. You know, maybe maybe it's Nick Savage and his strength and conditioning. I just feel like they just weren't really fatigued, and they you know they kind of kept the tempo up the whole game, and they really set the tone as well on the defensive side. I mean, defense played a great game for Florida.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned Savage because uh, you know one of the comments Dan Mullen had after I believe it was after the Towson game was basically that uh, we're going to rotate a bunch of people, and no team's ever really going to get us tired going into the fourth quarter. And I thought you definitely saw that against Auburn. Um, I think what you know what stood out to me the most was we knew that Florida was going to have to stop the run in this game that was very clear going in Um, that's Auburn's bread and butter and I think despite you know how bold Nix had looked last week against Mississippi State you felt like he hadn't really necessarily been tested as a passer you know nobody had really put the game on him and said hey you have to go win it freshman and uh, I thought that was very clearly going to be the game plan for Florida going in I know You know, we're we're far from the only people that talked about that. I think most national analysts kind of thought the same thing. Um, I just thought for us, we thought that was a a legitimate possibility that Florida could shut down the run and that they could potentially make Bo Nix try to win the game with his arm. And I think you saw that. I thought, you know, Florida's defensive game plan coming in was terrific. Um, You saw them very early on kind of rotating in an interesting way up front defensively, Uh, you know, and I thought it caught Auburn off guard a little bit. That it wasn't necessarily, you know, Florida just lining up with four defensive linemen. um, And, you know, you read the end and then something's open. Florida would really, you know, kind of crash hard one way, left or right with the, uh, you know, the edge defender. And then they'd slam, you know, Reese or Bernie down the other way behind it to fill the gap. And it puts a lot on those guys to be able to make plays physically. Uh, But I thought, you know, I thought David Reese obviously came up huge again. I think he had 13 tackles. Um, Florida's defensive tackles, I want to talk about them because. I thought they, you know, they probably don't get as much recognition. Um, and I know even going into the year, we were kind of like, okay, you know, maybe that's an area that Florida is a little bit weak. But I think the way Kyrie Campbell and Adam Schuler are playing right now, it may not necessarily jump out in terms of numbers, but those guys have done such a terrific job taking on double teams that that's part of the reason David Reese is so good in the middle. And I thought you really saw that against Auburn. You know, Florida was able to consistently take up double teams, um, Adam Schuler, I thought, had better penetration, probably played his best game of the season. And really, that allowed your guys to come free and make plays. And like we talked about kind of on the preview episode going in, everybody had to tackle well. And I thought for the most part, Florida did an absolutely terrific job doing that. And so that really kind of set the tone for me, I thought. And like you said, got Auburn a little bit out of rhythm in that game.
0: I guess it, it helps whenever you play Towson the week before because I would be very surprised if Florida wasn't pretty heavily game planning for this game back when they should be game pan- planning for Towson. So things yeah. definitely seem to work out there.
1: Yeah, no, I know I, I know. Urban Meyer kind of made that point on uh, one of his pregame shows over at Fox that he wouldn't be surprised if Dan hadn't spent really a minute on Towson. And I know we saw him a little bit in that HBO special going over some of the defensive film against Towson. Uh, but it, it, it just seemed like, yeah, it's like – You know, Florida had been working on Auburn for a while. And um, I I think I had mentioned I wasn't overly concerned about some of the sloppiness against Towson uh, when it came to, like, tackling and stuff like that. It's just hard to get up for a game like that when you know you've got Auburn the next week. You know that the coaches are kind of working on that already. Um, And then we, we saw Florida, you know, come and execute at a high level defensively against Tennessee. So you knew that they were capable of it. It was just a matter of will it show up on that day? And again, going back to what you said kind of at the beginning, I thought Florida getting up early was one of the big keys to the game because, you know, Dan Mullen comes out there when the team's ready to run out the tunnel and he's, you know, waving his arms up and down and jumping around like crazy. I mean, that place was a madhouse. And then you go and you hold Auburn three and out on the first drive of the game. The crowd's fired up. And then second play of the game, Freddie Swain, 65-yard touchdown. Um, They really got the crowd into it. And, you know, even with all the turnovers, you know, four turnovers, a very sloppy half, Auburn's defensive line really got it going at one point, And it seemed like Florida wasn't going to get anything going, um, in terms of being able to protect Kyle Trask, Florida found a way, you know, the defense stepped up when it needed to. And Dan Mullen said after the game that his guys, um, they just keep finding a way. It seems like whenever they need a play on offense, they get that play or whenever they need a three and out, the defense steps up and gives them a three. and out. they need a big punt. All right. Tommy Towson drops his best one of the day inside the 10. Um, so this is a team that I think is, like Dan Mullen said, is really, really bought in to winning each phase of the game. And again, I think that's a huge testament to the coaching, but also you know, their in-game ability to be able to figure out exactly what they need, you know, what the game calls for. Um, it's not always perfect. We saw Florida you know, fake on a fourth and three from inside their own territory, and it obviously failed. So it's not like they're getting every call right, but I just think Dan Mullen's understanding of his team, his understanding of his personnel is really sticking out. And um, I think we'll get into it a little bit on this episode, you know, talking about why maybe that's part of the reason I think national team, national media maybe sleeps on Florida a little bit. You can see the obvious deficiencies that Florida has, you know, that offensive line's no secret anymore. Like everybody knows that Florida's got issues up there and yet Florida keeps finding a way to win.
0: Yeah, I know that I've seen just, you know, there's, there's been some calls that maybe I was like, what are they doing? Or, you know, I've seen a lot of fans, you know, talking about, you know, you know some of the play calls that coach mullen has done but you know i think one of the things that impressed me to kind of piggyback off of how you know they always find a way you know to to make a play to do something you know i thought that i was pretty impressed with the way that dan mullen kind of schemed things up to maybe not take some of that pressure off the o-line you know we knew that auburn's defensive line was going to be good Derek brown had a great game for auburn um the defensive line you know that they were getting penetration florida's offensive line just isn't probably where that needs to be but Mullen, I thought did a really good job job of scripting things away to kind of take some of the issues away from them, and you know maybe turn some things into some points. I know we pulled a lot of things from last year's Mississippi State game, and I thought there were some similarities here too because I felt like it maybe wasn't the exact same game to where it was this big dogfight and there were barely any points. But I did feel that the game yesterday, or excuse me, on Saturday, was very slow in that same point. It was kind of a slower game. It just wasn't this big, you know, boom, boom, boom game. It did kind of drag on at one point.
1: Well, I think part of that is Florida turned the ball over Um, and we'll talk about that because I have some some ideas and some thoughts on, you know, whether or not the turnovers for Florida are sustainable. Um, But I think when you look down at the end of the day, I mean, Florida had 400 yards of offense. So you take away the turnovers and Florida scored 24 points still, even with the four turnovers. Um, I I just thought Florida found a way to get it done. I mean, you know, this it's very obvious this team's going to have to pass to some degree. Um And the rushing numbers, 132 yards, they're a little bit mis- misleading. Um, I think Dan Mullen put it pretty well after the game when he said, you know, it wasn't an efficient day running the ball, but at the end of the day, they they were able to be patient with it. Again, because the defense gave them a chance to play from ahead. Um, and we talked about that being a big key going in. You know, the defense had to give the uh, offense time to be patient, and they did. And sure enough, you bust one late, that really sets the tone in the game. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, I, I just feel like, This Florida offense, I mean, you you talk about the Auburn D-line being maybe one of the best ones they'll face. For me, I start to wonder, like, okay, if they just handled that, they just put up 400 yards with what was probably the biggest mismatch they'll face all season in terms of a great D-line against their, you know, not-so-great O-line. They still won by 11. Like, this Florida team's getting it done. Like, at some point, we've just got to hand it to them and say, okay, like, you know, they're looking pretty good. Like, can I mean, is Florida even capable of winning out, maybe? I don't know.
0: I know. It's an interesting conversation because obviously Florida has their biggest <clears throat> stretch of the schedule coming up. LSU is going to be a tough test on the road. I, I think that a lot of people had <clears throat> maybe even, you know, you look at the schedule and you say, ah, Florida, there's no way Florida is going to win this game at at debt valley. LSU's doing well, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think whenever you see Florida put up, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a convincing win over Auburn, you know, like you said, four turnovers, it could have been a, a little bit more of a decisive game. You know, if you if you don't turn it over so many times, there was uh, one of them when um you know you get a fumble on a punt, and I think you have the ball at like the two, and they back it up on a penalty. Florida was driving there was another uh, fumble that they had Florida was driving mm-hmm. you know it's not like you know they were sputtering and then there's a turnover Florida was driving and it was you know doing well moving down the field I know turnovers you know it takes the wind out of your sails a little bit but you know Florida could have put up more points in that game and I think it makes it a little bit more of an interesting test because you know lSU' is not going to be an easy game but I think Florida if they can control their own turnovers, I think that this could be a a little bit closer for a game than even the, the you know the Vegas line of I think what is it LSU favored by like thirteen yeah, it's or fourteen two
1: touchdowns. Yeah, you know
0: I, I don't you know if, if Florida comes out and isn't going to turn the ball over like that, I think we could have a way closer game than that.
1: Now we'll say this. I see. I don't know. I don't know because some of the some of the turnover issues that I see, I don't know how easy to clean up there. You know, um, I, Kyle Trask. You would think. That you would be able to coach him to, you know, Dan Mullen said after the game, two hands on the two hands on the ball, squeeze it in the pocket, be able to feel the pressure a little bit better. Um, and when you, one of the things I wanted to mention real quick, kind of before we get into the the whole turnover deal, I, I thought Florida's O line when I went back and rewatched the game actually did a better job in pass protection than it maybe looked live. Um, Dan Mullen had kind of made the point you're going to have you're going to have games where individual players get the best of you on certain plays in the SEC. And that was very clearly evident on Saturday. You know, Derek Brown, Florida didn't have anybody that could block him one-on-one. He
0: made money. He made some yeah. money on Saturday.
1: And so what I'm looking at, you know, particularly the strip sacks, two of those were ones where, you know, Trask didn't get a whole lot of help. Now, he's still got to hang on with the ball better. Um, but those were individual plays made by Auburn. So that's just, you know, hats off to Auburn. But there's some other the turnovers that Florida's had throughout this year that that haven't really been forced. You know, the, the Malik Davis-type fumbles, um, you know, again, going back to Trask, a lot of his fumbles in the pocket are completely avoidable. Um, So I don't know, particularly with Trask, like how, how correctable is that? Like, is that just a thing where, because he hasn't, when that stuff, you you don't get hit in practice. So like that stuff, this is going on maybe seven years now, where he hasn't really experienced the need to really be safe with the football in practice. So a lot of people think, yeah, that's easy. We'll just tell him to hold on to the football. Um, That could, I, I don't know. I don't see anything necessarily mechanically or, Um, Technique wise, that looks bad there, but some of that's instinct too, you know. Um, And I don't know that, I don't know how quick a fix that's going to be. And I will say, when you look at turnovers, Florida has given the ball away, what is it, 14, 13 times this year? I mean, that's 121st in the country. Um, Now, the flip side of that is the defense has been able to force a lot, um, but some of those are lucky, a little bit lucky too. You know what I mean? Like you said, the, the you know, the Auburn fumbles a punt, you know, muffs a punt, two interceptions get thrown straight to Florida defenders. Um I, I'm not discrediting the defense's ability to create takeaways because that's been a, a consistent theme under Todd Grantham. Um, but turnovers to me when they're coming in large amounts like they are right now for Florida, tend to be a little bit lucky. And eventually you're gonna revert to the mean. The question I have more is um, you know. Does that happen for Florida in a big game soon? And I think that's something that's got to be concerning when you're talking about, um, you know, playing a team like LSU. And one of the things I think about going into this game for for LSU, I think in a lot a lot of the reason I thought Auburn was a decent matchup for Florida was because I felt like Auburn was one dimensional enough offensively um, and, and without a sure answer at quarterback that if Florida could stop the run. Then it could win this game. They they could make it low enough scoring that its offense could manufacture enough points to win. I think the most dangerous thing going forward for Florida is facing an elite offense where if you do turn the ball over, more often than not, they're going to convert those into points.
0: You know, and uh, to kind of go back to how you were talking about Trask and, and, you know, his turnovers, you know, I I don't know that they're fixable either. I think it's just, it's kind of one of those things where it is what it is, you know, maybe holding onto the ball. You know, pocket awareness, but I feel like it's it's when you kind of compare Felipe Franks who was also, you know Kind of a turnover prone guy um, I feel like whenever they're in the in the pocket Felipe always looked at, you know, the pass rushers, you know The guys coming after him whereas I see Kyle Trask looking down the field He's trying to make a play. He's trying to look down the field I think you have to find some kind of balance there to where you 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 know You have to feel the pressure better. I, I know Florida's offensive line you know, you're not going to block everybody. There's going to be those guys like Derek Brown who played an outstanding game and is an outstanding player. You know, those are going to happen. I think kind of feeling that pressure and holding on the ball. Uh, you know, on the blind side, some of those happen too. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of things where it's hard for me to make an argument to say, well, you need to fix this or you need to do that. But I do think that something that Dan Mullen could work on is, is maybe. Kind of put it not necessarily, you know, locking down the field, you know, looking, 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 you know, you kind of have to have some awareness. And I think that that's just something that's going to come with playing time again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to sit there and blame Trask for, you know, not being aware of, you know, these kind of things. But again, it's it's his third. That was his third start since his you know freshman year of high school. So I think those are just things that are going to come with time. But that's just absolutely something that cannot happen against LSU on the road because those are the kind of, you know, as the flip side where Florida made those big plays to keep the crowd in it. That's what's going to keep Death Valley rocking at an
1: 8 p.m. kickoff. A hundred percent. And I think I think a lot of the national analysts, you know, while they look at Florida from afar, I think a lot of them have nailed it on, you know, the differences between Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks. You know, Trask, I think, is better suited for Florida's offensive personnel this year um, because in different ways because I think – Florida's receivers are so good that his ability to quickly process reads allows Florida to have the kind of passing game that it needs, particularly without the run game that they, they clearly don't really have this year. Um, on the flip side, you know, Felipe Franks, I thought, made up for his inability to kind of do that as well as Trask with his ability to feel the pocket and then extend things with his legs. So, you know, it's two different sides of the same coin. I think Felipe Franks probably supplements your run game a little bit better. Um, but I don't think your passing game would have been as good with him given this, you know, this year's O-line. And, you know, his, his ability to go through reads is just at a different level than Kyle Trask. But, uh, Blake, you, you mentioned Baton Rouge a couple times. Obviously, that's going to be the talk all this week. So let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll get into LSU a little bit. We'll talk about the importance of that game from a big picture standpoint. And then we'll get Blake to recap what was obviously a huge recruiting weekend in Gainesville. Stay tuned.
2: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me. We want to dive quickly into the, you know, Florida game at LSU, another college game day set up, number five versus number seven, Florida this time being number seven instead of having to take down number seven. Blake, you mentioned it a little bit, Baton Rouge is likely to be insane on Saturday. Um, I think as much as the crowd lifted Florida against Auburn, like you said, this is going to be a chance for LSU to ride that same momentum. Uh, How big a deal is that going to be for Florida?
0: I think it's going to be tough. I think it's a it's a tough environment to play in. Um, You know, this is really I I know Trask played against Kentucky late in the game. This isn't going to be anything close to that, you know. And I think that this is his this is his first true road test. Um, College game day is going to be there. It's going to be wild. It's a nighttime kickoff. Um, You know, I, I think that it's going to be one of those things where maybe you know. Kyle Trask, I think it's going to be a lot on his shoulders because I think you're going to have to have him win the game um, for you. Again, I think you're going to have to have him pass and you're going to have to have him read things. Um, I'm also a little worried about Florida's offensive line in that kind of our environment too because, Mm -hmm. you know, those kind of false start penalties, you know, those things like that, just it, it seemed like as loud as Florida's crowd was for Auburn, it just, con- it just really confused them, and it made it hard for them to kind of process things. I think that this is a week where Florida's really going to have to have a really strong week of preparation. They're going to have to have good focus because that crowd is not going to do them any favors when they're trying to change some plays at the line or they're trying to, you know, do different little things. Florida more than likely is going to have to come out and do those, you know, little quick slants and those little quick passes to get the ball out quickly, you know, Make things simple for Trask, I think, is the key for them.
1: Yeah, I think that. I think what you said is right. I think this game is going to ride on Kyle Trask because, you know, going back to what I said in the in the first half, I think the danger for Florida is facing teams that are elite on offense, where you know that they're going to score some points. Um, For one, because you can't afford to give them the second chances that Florida's offense has been given teams with all the turnovers. Um, But for two, because I think they teams like that are more likely to be able to dictate the pace of the game a little bit more. Um, They're more likely to put together some consistent scoring drives. And so you may have some drives where maybe it's not, you know, okay, Kyle Trask has to go win the game in the fourth quarter, but there may be some points in the game where, you know, Florida needs a drive to just simply survive. You know what I mean? Where LSU say they're up seven, they're up 10. And Florida just needs a touchdown drive in the second quarter from Kyle Trask to keep things from getting out of hand, to keep that crowd from getting even rowdier. Um, I I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on Kyle Trask this weekend. Um, And like you said, Auburn was, you know, very, very thrown off by the noise in the swamp. And I'm a little surprised by that. When I heard some of the postgame comments from Auburn, I'm like, like, well, what were you expecting? Like the fact that they were on a clap cadence to me was absolutely insane. Um, You know, I know Bo Nix said they were having trouble with that. the fact that they weren't on a full silent count is shocking to me. Um, But hopefully Florida can see that and realize, you know, I I think Dan Mullen will have a pretty good plan for how to communicate, but you're going to have issues. I mean, it's just the end of the day, you get 90, you know, whatever it is, I think over a hundred thousand now in tiger stadium uh, on a Saturday night when they've been drinking bourbon all day, it's going to be loud, man. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. I think, like you said, I think this is a game where Florida can't afford a whole lot of turnovers defensively, you know, I think we're both kind of putting this game on Florida's offense because we expect that LSU is going to have some success somewhere. Um, I I don't see this being a game like Auburn where Florida's defense is quite as staunch and quite as dominant. Um, And a couple of reasons for that. But primarily it comes down to me, to Joe Burrow. I think he's just making enough good decisions. I mean, he's been just really good, even under pressure. Um, I think the key to the game for Florida in a lot of ways is going to be to get Burrow uncomfortable. You know, obviously the Gators were able to do that last year, and and kind of rattle him into throwing some of his first interceptions. Uh, if my memory's right, he went into that game without having thrown a pick, and Florida, I believe you know, you're correct, rang up the first couple. So, um, it's not that it's not that he can't be rattled. I think it's just that um, this isn't a game where you know you feel quite as good about shutting down the strength of the other team. I think Florida's been very good and proven they can shut down the run. I think they've still been a little bit shaky in the secondary, although there's been some good individual play. Um, I'm just not quite as confident, Blake, about you know Florida being 100% able to kind of shut down that LSU passing game.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure they're going to either. I think you're going to have to make some plays eventually. You're going to have to have some drives where you, you know, you keep, you just can't let LSU obviously go down and score every drive. Um, But I think this is one where Jabari Zuniga is one that they're going to really need him back for this game. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. he's one of their better players. You're going to need some pass rush. If you're going to affect Joe Burrow and you're going to make him uncomfortable, you're going to need one of your best pass rushers. I know that Zuniga, he dressed out for the Auburn game. I, I believe his ankle is still bothering him. Obviously, it was enough you know, to keep him out of the game. This is a game where you're going to need him, because I think affecting, uh, whereas you're going to have to have Kyle Trask win the game for you, most likely on the offensive side. The key for me on the defensive side is you're going to have to get in Joe Burrow's face. You cannot let him sit back there all day and pick it apart, because not only is he one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this year that I've seen, he's got a really good receiver core as well.
1: Right, right. I mean, there's no doubt. LSU is as talented at receiver as they've been in several years, and you know, this is a program that's fielded the likes of Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at the same time. I mean, I, I really think those receivers, Jamar Chase, the way he's playing, some of those other guys, man, they're, they're really talented. It's going to be a good matchup. It's going to be a really good matchup for Florida's secondary. Um, I thought Donovan Steiner probably played his best game of the year against Auburn, uh, showed some real improvement there. And, and just in terms of willingness to come up and stick the run, uh, he had a couple really key plays early in the game. Um, but I think, you know, overall, that's going to be tough. I mean, there's there's some legit receivers out there that Florida's going to have to slow down. But Blake, we're, we're going to get into breaking down LSU, obviously, on our you know our, our later-in-the-week episode. So I wanted to kind of focus more on big picture today, what this, this LSU game means for Florida. What are your thoughts on, I guess, the importance of this game and, and maybe what it could do for Florida's program? Or, or does it even matter all that much?
0: You know, I don't know that it matters all that much. You know, I, I think it's a really nice win. Um, and, and you're going to get more people kind of loving up Florida now that you have that big convincing win just because, you know, I, you've kind of touched on it. I, I think national media was a little bit more surprised by a game like this, maybe than local media that kind of covers this team more day to day. Talking um, about Auburn. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was a nice win for Auburn, the win over Auburn, but you know, Florida still—you just you can't make this your Super Bowl. You know, this can't be. You have plenty of games left on the season, and this is just the first of you know what, like a really strong four-game stretch that they have coming mm-hmm. up. So, you know, I, I think you have to continue to. You know, again, nice win, guys. Let's move on.
1: What about what about the LSU game coming up in terms of importance?
0: Oh, that's a big one too. I mean, it, it's the next game. I think that this is a chance for Florida. You know, whenever you come in and you have what a 13 point underdog um, on on your first line, again, I know that line will move, and I'm sure things will be going crazy on Vegas all week, but you know this is this is an an even more important game just because it's the next one for Florida. And I think this is one to where you know you can kind of get again that you know more of that national um, respect by winning this game just because I think a lot of people, Um, maybe not necessarily the same for the Auburn win, but I think a lot more people this time are kind of more automatic of counting this as a loss for Florida.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, two touchdown underdog. I'm looking at the line now. It's uh, about 13 and a half right now in favor of LSU. Um, I I think this is the one, uh, again, so I go back to kind of why Florida has been doubted by national media, and I think a lot of it is where Florida's weak, it's very obvious um, and a lot of these, you know, you look at the top five teams or so in the country, the Alabama, Clemson, uh, Oklahoma, Georgia type, maybe even LSU. There's no real obvious weaknesses for a lot of those teams, I think. And when you look at Florida, um, I think you look at that offensive line, you look at the schedule and you say eventually somebody's going to, you know, get after them and, and really, really just completely wreck the game. Um, I think a lot of people thought that was going to be Auburn, to be honest with you, and it didn't happen. Um, but I think people are kind of expecting that that's going to be a problem and I go back to I think Dan Mullen can coach around that now, the difference is, can Dan Mullen coach around that if one of those other units, you know defense or special teams maybe doesn't have an absolute a game like they did at Auburn? you know if what happens if the defense is B you know on their B game they're missing a couple tackles against lSU Well, yeah, then it gets tougher. Um, but I do think this is a game I think this is a game where Florida can start to if they go into Baton Rouge and pull out a win, I think you immediately start to hear the conversation shift about Florida to okay, they're a legitimate playoff contender right yeah. now it's like right now it feels like the the conversation about Florida is, yeah, yeah, they're pretty good, but they've still got they've still got lSU, they've still got Georgia, they're not going to win both of those like you know uh you, you know that that to me feels like more of the consensus opinion. um I think this is the one where you can you can get you know people fully on board, but I also think <clears throat> excuse me, I think. I think this game has the chance to show the players themselves that, that they've really bought into Dan Mullen's consistency. One of the more interesting questions he was asked after the game was, uh, you know, after a big win like this with, you know, the swamp rocking and all the, you know, all the love that they're going to get from fans. How do you convince these players that they're not at where your program should be yet? And, you know, Dan Mullen kind of thought about it. And he was like, well, we're going to show them tape of LSU and say, look, we got to go into, into death Valley and try to find a way to win this game. And, um, he said, we're not there yet. He said, i we're going to tell the players that, but we're also going to tell them, Hey, if you want to be at that elite level where, you know, the, the, the Gators are used to being and play up to that Gator standard, you got a chance to do it. You get to decide on Monday, how you want to prep for LSU. You get to decide throughout the week, how well we're going to prepare. And I think, you know, I think this is a real chance to see if Florida's made that next step, if they're ready to mentally push through that wall. Um, you know, because Florida won the sec East twice under Jim McElwain and players thought they had gotten there. They thought they'd arrived, um, And then they go get their teeth kicked in against the better teams. So at some point, you've got to make a statement. Vegas is saying, hey, we don't think Florida's capable of hanging with LSU. Two touchdown underdog, okay? This is your chance. And it ain't going to be easy. But you have a chance, I think, to really, really set the narrative for Florida going forward. And, uh, Blake, I think you know, let's, let's transition and talk recruiting. If you can do that, man— I know, like, the Florida impressed a lot of people with recruiting this weekend. If they go in there and win in Baton Rouge, recruiting could really, really take off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought that last year um, for the recruiting cycle, you know, Florida was kind of stagnant starting out. You know, they weren't really landing these top guys. I mean, they were landing commitments. I'm not trying to say that they had, you know, like the cupboard was bare. But I feel like this staff really gets their juice on the recruiting trail from winning. I think those big wins kind of shows, you know, look what we can do. Look what I can do with you. I I think that winning is really what sets the tempo for them on the recruiting trail. And I think that it kind of set them up really well. With that big win against Auburn with a lot of these kids, I know there was only one commitment in the game, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But I feel like if they can continue to win, they're going to really do well in the recruiting trail just because there are a lot of kids that are giving them a look, coming to take visits, but they're not quite there ready to commit, not necessarily to pick Florida, but just in general not ready to commit. And I think that these big games, you'd be surprised how kids can get caught up in a moment and pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, well, Blake, let's go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> Isaiah Walker obviously pulls the pulls the pledge for Florida. Uh, a four-star offensive tackle, obviously a huge position in need for Florida. And a guy that we've talked about, I mean, it seems like every time we talk recruiting on the podcast, he's the guy that we've been circling as maybe the the, the closest to commit, but also one of the most important. That's obviously a huge one. Who were some of the other guys that you thought Florida really made a big move for this weekend?
0: You know, I, I go back, and I know he's committed somewhere else, but uh, four-star defensive tackle, Timothy Smith, he's committed to Alabama, um, but he's from Sebastian River down in Florida. He was on Florida's campus again for the third time since he committed to Alabama and I don't believe he's been to Bama since then. You know, I think that's one of those deals where you look at action speak louder than words. Um I'm not sure how long a timeline is for a flip, but I do feel like a flip is more it's it's very possible for Florida the way they continue to get him on campus. Um Florida's coaching staff is recruiting him very hard. Florida's commitments in their class are recruiting him very hard. And again he's just been on campus so many times. Um he's a priority target. So I think Florida made a, a big move for him. Um another guy that I was pretty surprised to see at the Auburn game was uh, three-star wide receiver Elijah Cannon. Um he's an Auburn commit. Um picked Florida, or excuse me, picked Auburn over Florida after using official visits. Um, I believe it was in June um, when he took his official visits. He said he still committed to Auburn after the game, but he noted that, you know, the lack of, you know, kind of developing in the passing game you know, being a wide receiver, that, that was kind of a, a, you know, a snag for him. And meanwhile, Florida is needing off or excuse me, needing wide receivers um this big cycle. It's, it's a big yep. need. You know, they have so many veterans on the roster and they've only got two committed right now. So Florida's going to need a couple more. He said Florida's his number two school, that they're right there. And I think that if you can get him back on campus, he mentioned coming back maybe for the uh, FSU game. Um, you want to get that guy on campus again. And I I think that Florida's doing a good job of kind of chipping away at some of these guys that maybe were doubting them a little bit earlier, you know, kind of buying into those, you know, the Bama's, the Auburn's, not to say they're not good teams and they're not good programs, but I feel like people now are giving Florida that second look um, because they are winning and because they are doing it in in a, you know, dramatic fashion like they did in that big game and, you know, having that atmosphere. Kids are going to love. I had so many kids tell me that was the loudest game they've ever been to.
1: Yeah, the atmosphere Um, was insane.
0: Yeah, another five-star guy that, you know, speaking the atmosphere that I I think kind of got his attention, five-star defensive end Desmond uh, Evans. He's a a stand-up buck linebacker type of guy for Florida, like a 6'6", 230-pound type of guy. I mean, really tall kid. I mean, interviewing him, I had to, like, stand on my tiptoes to get my recorder up to his mouth. Um, I think that it's probably North Carolina has the edge. He's from North Carolina. They've done a good job getting some of these in-state guys on board. Mack Brown's done a good job on the recruiting trail. But I do think that Florida went from not even in the picture here um, to kind of having a seat at the table, and I would say that right now Florida may be North Carolina's biggest threat. You're going to have to get this guy on campus again. He said he'll take an official visit to Florida. I feel like they have secured for sure getting a secured an official visit. I, I don't think it's set. There's not any idea of when. The only official visit he has set is for uh, Virginia Tech's game against North Carolina, I believe, on October 19th. Um, he'll be there for that one, so. Florida had a lot of 2021 five-stars on campus. Um, I don't think that any of those guys are really on fire to commit anywhere soon, but you have plenty of time to keep getting these guys on campus, and I think that Florida, again, kind of secured some footing in this recruitment, and you, you just have to get those guys on campus some more. Florida had four uh, official visitors on campus, and I think that things were pretty positive there. Five-star tight end Darnell Washington made it in from Vegas. Um, Georgia has been the perceived leader. I think Georgia probably still has the edge right now, even though he visited Florida. But I think that there's something that Florida has in their favor here, and it's the fact that they really pounded on the use of tight end. Um, Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts having a big game, having a big season, I think has been kind of the biggest point of emphasis for him. Um, he's he was straight up. You know, you ask him, you know, what are you looking for in a school? It's you know, it's not any of this window dressing stuff. It's how do they use the tight end? And I think that that was something that caught his attention for Florida. One thing that I heard that Florida kind of hammered on in this visit is. You know, Georgia has not really fed their tight ends. You know, you have a guy like Isaac Nada, who wasn't really being fed the ball whenever he was there. Um, They didn't throw a single pass, I believe, to a tight end during the Notre Dame game when they had that big game where he took his official visit to. Meanwhile, you come in and you see Florida. I think Pitts was one of the leading receivers for Florida on the offense. Right. I mean, he's just getting fed the ball. You have him set up in a way where you have you know, trips on the right side of the field, and you've got a tight end out on single coverage out on the left side of the field. So I think yeah, that, things that, like that things like that things like that, have really caught his eye. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to Florida, but I think that they've made themselves a, a legitimate player in this recruitment, whereas they weren't even in the conversation whatsoever before this visit. Um, oh, four, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Four-star defensive end Zekivas Walker um, from Georgia. I think Georgia still has the edge there. Um, he's been there a lot. I think that Florida is probably number two here. And, you know, he'll visit Auburn. He'll visit Alabama. Um, He still has an official visit to Georgia that he says he'll take some time in December. But I think that Florida set themselves up well. I don't know that it's enough to land him right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just he has a lot of visits going forward. Georgia getting that last visit is kind of the hang-up for me. Just because if he's not going to – if he's going to play the waiting game and you have Georgia getting that last visit and already perceived as the favorite, I think that things are kind of trending towards them. I have – had a lot of people in Florida's you know, sources linked to this program and around the program. There's some people there that think Florida's legitimately a big time player there and you know, whereas I'm kind of sleeping on them a little bit in this recruitment, you know. I, for me, I'll believe it when I see it. I do think Georgia has the edge, but there is some confidence with some people in Florida. So, there's that. Um, four-star running back uh, EJ Smith. He's a guy that people may have heard of his dad, Emmett Smith. He's a kind of a good running back.
1: He's a little um, popular, I guess.
0: He was actually on campus with his son. He was the game day guest picker. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool thing that, you know, you can't see a lot of other schools do that to where your dad is, you know, that game day picker. Um, you know, he's beloved by, you know, I, I saw them take a family picture out by the bullgator statue over at Gate 18 at the stadium. And he's over there taking this family picture and you see so many people like yelling Emmett, you know, like, I, I don't know. His dad was like a celebrity on campus there. Where, and I, I don't think you're going to get that same kind of vibe on any other campus. I, I his recruitment though is really tricky to kind of pinpoint here. Stanford early had a lot of buzz; it's kind of died off some. I feel like legitimately he's, he's very open with his process. He's he's visited Georgia last weekend. He was at Florida. Uh, he'll be at Texas A and M this weekend, where I believe his sister runs track or someone in the family runs track, um, or did or something like that. Um, then he'll visit. Uh, Ohio State for their Penn State game in November, and then he'll hit Stanford sometime in like January, sometime in the off season. So, doesn't seem like he's really in a rush whatsoever to make a decision. It's weird because you know you think Emmitt's his father, you know all these ties to Florida. It, it should be a layup, and I just don't know that that's exactly. Really playing in Florida's favor because I get the vibe from talking to him that he kind of that that maybe going on his own path is something interesting to him, and I think that's something Florida's going to have to overcome. I don't think that he's you know there's no chance he comes to Florida. They obviously set themselves up very well in th- with the visit. You know they spent a lot of time around him, um, and they need a running back still. So I mean that makes him a, a big target for them in general. But I just didn't get this this vibe that you know that you would expect just having a Gator great dad. You know having all this success there. I, I just didn't get. I, he he was pretty adamant on kind of talking about being his own man and maybe making his own path. So I thought that was something that kind of struck me. Um, finally, the 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 biggest target for Florida that they really wanted on the uh on the official visit is an offensive lineman and four star Marcus Dumerville. Um Unfortunately, he declined interviews following uh, his official visit. Um, he's been to Oklahoma. He's been to LSU. Those were both in April for official visits. Um, Bama more than likely will get a visit. Um, he's mentioned uh, Louisville, where I believe his uncle Elvis Duvermill played for. Um, so there's some family ties there. It's hard to pick right now, but I do think that this is a Florida LSU battle. Um, I-, I think Florida did a really good job of getting themselves set up here. They need one more offensive tackle. Um, you- we mentioned Walker; they landed there. Doomerville is just as big of a target for them. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Florida ha- has it's really close right now for me between Florida and LSU and I, I don't know that he's you know on fire to make a decision he's going to take some visits he he just hasn't really seemed um, to to really know when he wants to make a decision but he just knows that it won't be sometime soon I expect him to take all his visits um, we'll have someone out uh, later this week um, Andrew Ivins from our Miami site at 24 7 sports will be out to catch up with him after a practice so I'll have a little bit better feel of you know kind of what he says about the visit but I think it's a close call right now between Florida and LSU there, but Florida really set themselves up um, really well over the last couple months. I mean, he visited for his first time ever to Florida back in July. I mean, this is a guy who lives in Florida, has been a recruit since his freshman year and he took his first visit to Florida leading into his senior year. So, I think that Florida's done a lot of work here whereas they were weren't even in the picture whatsoever before that July visit. And I think now for me to sit here and tell you that, you know, it's LSU and Florida, I think that they've made a big leaps and bounds in this recruitment. So, there's a lot of going on on campus. I'll have a lot more Um, Content on the site on swamp 24-7 as the week goes on. I have tons of interviews that I still need to write Um, So it's gonna be an exciting week leading up to a big exciting game that Florida can really continue to get some buzz on the recruiting trail with a win over LSU
1: Well, there you go. Doomerville, a Florida LSU battle. That's a good way to to wrap up the recruiting segment of the show Blake, uh, you know, I know I said, you know, this this Florida LSU game from a big-picture standpoint may not mean a ton to the Gators You know, it's an SEC West game Even if you lose you've still got Georgia in front of you all the season goals are there but, hey, you know, maybe you go into Baton Rouge and win a game like that, and it's able to uh, you know be that little extra push in a recruitment like Doomerville's. So we'll have to see. But, uh, guys, that'll do it for us on this episode of the podcast. We will be back later in the week, and we will be diving much more heavily into the matchups for Florida and LSU, another monster showdown, another college game day appearance for the Gators. We hope to see you then.